Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you from Pop Culture Cosmos. Also, Swell Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We truly appreciate you checking out all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us a magical five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe. Subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse or great interviews that we have. Go ahead and check it out today. Plus, also, Swell. Go ahead and check out the great things that we're doing at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we drop the latest news and trends of pop culture. Vampires and Vitae, well into season three. If you want the best in tabletop RPG gaming, go ahead and head on over there. Plus Wild Beyond the Witchlight and so much more. And it's just so much pop culture going on, and you can catch it here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you do, it is sincerely appreciated. And I do want to make a special note to over the 100,000 views and people who have watched the Sphere video that's right below us on YouTube. And that has been amazing in the response. I'm still trying to answer all the replies and the comments there. And I just truly appreciate everyone taking the time out of the day to check out what's going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos and the brand new Sphere here in Las Vegas. It's a pretty cool video if you haven't caught it already. So go ahead and stop up by either the Pop Culture Cosmos or Lakers Fast Break YouTube channel. I've got them on both, but it's so funny. It's 6,000 on one and 108,000 on the other. But I'm also thankful and very blessed that we have over 200 new subscribers. Actually, I think over 250 new subscribers to the channel because of it. And on behalf of, of Melinda josh tj jamie and everybody else that's part of what we do here at the pop culture cosmos it is truly appreciated but it wouldn't be a pcc multiverse without my good friend she is the mistress of all mistresses when it comes to tabletop rpg gaming she is a good friend indeed you got to go ahead and check out what she's doing as she's wreaking havoc on her husband on the air of course Mm -hmm. and youtube but it is a good man indeed, Robbie Ross, terrific guy, and he takes all my bad jokes, and I just truly appreciate it for him. But it is, of course, the game that he runs. It is Vampires of Vitae. Please go ahead and check it out. It is absolutely a great time. They have sensational fun there. It is truly a highly recommended RPG podcast. It is Vampires of Vitae, along with Wild Beyond the Witchlight when Melinda gets the gang from either Las Vegas or the girls in Canada. She gets them together. She runs a terrific game. And also as well, if you're interested ever in tabletop RPG action, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But Melinda, great to have you here, my friend. Looking forward to some great conversations. As I told you before we went on the air, this could be one of our most important shows of the year. Yeah, which is, is pretty wild. Turn of events here over the last couple of days. 
Remember the days long ago, like last week, when I told you we might have to go ahead and blab for a while because we were looking hard for a lot of subjects? Huh. Not this week, that's for sure. Yeah, careful what you ask for, big guy. Careful what yeah. you ask for. Absolutely, because we sure as heck got it. But I do want to thank everybody out here. The Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse, just to give all of our new subscribers the lowdown, we are a syndicated radio show that is about an hour long. It is truly family-friendly, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture. We have a great time talking about it. Not just nerdy and geeky stuff like movies, television, streaming. We cover all the latest news and notes there, but also as well, video games, pro wrestling, collectibles, and so much more. We have a ton of fun doing it, and I hope you can stick around and checking us out on future episodes indeed. But the first thing is, Melinda, i got to hit you with the heavy stuff first. Right here, it is another strike we were already worried about what would happen as far as elongated writer strike and now i gotta hit you up with this my friend it is a strike for sag the screen actress guild and aftra they have already officially gone on strike as of a few hours ago it is truly quite concerning what's going on with that because in fact the oppenheimer overseas premiere Unfortunately, the actors themselves, as soon as they were told to go off uh, the premiere, they went off the red carpet and said, eh, we're done with this. We're on out. We're jetting. Peace out. So right now, the Screen Actors Guild walked away from negotiations with uh, studios and the head of the studios as far as that conglomeration. They did not like what they got in regards to offers as far as better compensation uh, dealing with other things such as AI and artificial intelligence for future likenesses and things of nature and how it can go ahead and, you know, the future, how that will expand, how they want protections on that. A lot of tough things to talk about here because now we've got not just one entity on strike, we have two crippling the Hollywood and entertainment industry. Yeah, and uh, I mean that this will have ripple effects, uh, well, through the rest of the year, at least, possibly even into next year. Absolutely, and and that's the thing I don't think people understand. And I noticed the government that could get involved have not gotten involved yet because they don't understand the the parameters of this. Thousands upon thousands of jobs are now being held up. People are out of work because of this. Mm-hmm. And they want better wages. They want better response. You know, things, again, is regarding future technologies, things of that nature. Streaming, as far as better compensation and residuals from streaming. These are serious issues. The studios are telling, oh, we've got plenty of content to last throughout the year. That's all well and good. But when your 2024 looks like it's going to be totally messed up by what you're doing now, that's not good to me. Yeah. Also, it's just not good business. You know, to to treat, you know, the people who create your product um, the way that it appears they're treating both the the writers and now the actors. So there's a there's there is a lot to think about there. And you're right. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that we don't even realize uh, that are going to be kind of caught up in this and uh, are going to have to figure out a way to to cope while this strike is on. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've told you that we're going to probably get a huge and steady diet of reality TV shows. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Yay, yay, yay. Uh, At least I talked about it on the Lakers Fast Break that the NBA and sports leagues will benefit from this if the 
lack of content starts to run dry, they could be a beneficiary of this as their sports, various things will be presented more on, you know, even higher platforms. So I see that as a benefit for them if this pans out. But truly, when it comes to entertainment and what we love on a regular basis, on a daily basis, that's going to be crippled by what's going on moving forward. Yeah, it it will be. And like I said, it, there's just going to be there's going to be repercussions for a while. And I know it's it's a little bit funny uh, for us uh, plebs, right? Because we see uh, actors and we see them making millions of dollars for a production. And I, I understand the the reaction of how dare they? They made how many how many millions off of their last film and they're going to strike for for more money but i think it's going a lot deeper than that and also it doesn't matter if you make 10 million dollars for a movie when your movie is going to go into a streaming service and you're not getting paid for that for that that that's the that's the missing piece of the puzzle and just to a, a little bit of comparison with my my former job, we were part of a union, and what has started to happen in radio is that you'll have uh, a show in one market that will syndicate into a whole bunch of different markets, right? Like we we see this happen all the time, like the Steve Harvey show, for example. Ryan yeah. Seacrest is another. So, but also what happens is you'll have like a hub market, like Halifax, Nova Scotia. I can only speak to what I know. So I'm just going to talk about that. So what happens is we have some announcers who um, the the management team will come to them and say, how would you like to do uh, the evening show in, let's say, Fredericton, New Brunswick, which is the capital of New Brunswick. And you're not getting any extra pay for that extra work because it's assumed that you're already at work. So technically you're already getting paid for being there. But in my eyes, and this was part of the stuff that I started to talk about in our last union negotiation before I left the business um, was that the company is saving money by not hiring somebody to fill that position in Fredericton. So there is a surplus of money there. I'm not saying you have to pay them that full salary, but they should be getting some piece of that. And I think that that is a very dumbed down version of what at least some of the issues are in Hollywood. Um, I, like I said, it's that's a pretty loose comparison just to help kind of wrap your brain around it a little bit. It's like, you know, doing your work here in Las Vegas, but your employer saying, okay, we're going to add this much more to your plate. And we're not going to give you anything else for that. It, that's still not fair. Or also the prospect of artificial intelligence for the writers and the actors from SAG and AFTRA and the Writers Guild, your work being manipulated or being changed or being, you know, a, a, another you yeah. being presented down the road without your permission or without you being or your family being compensated for it. Yeah, and there it's it's a really really complicated issue because if we're talking about let's let's just say that you Gerald all of a sudden become an incredibly famous actor. Uh, there you right? go. Right. You you are the leading man. You are you are the it guy of the season. You are wow. showing up to all of the award shows. You're walking all of the red carpets. You You're are not far off there, sister. <laughs> no, I know. Like you are like the guy, right? But uh, what can I say? What you're going to start to see popping up in your contract is things like you know we we want to have your likeness for the next 200 years. Well, okay, but 
that's still going to be generating money, but where's the money that I would have been compensated for going? Is that just going to blindly go to ancestors? Like, is this, is this another thing that we're looking at in terms of generational wealth? In terms of, you know, the, the Hollywood sphere, like, it, will Henry Cavill's children, they'll already be blessed, let's be honest. But, you know, if he sells his likeness, you know, his kids, 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 kids will still be getting money off of their great, 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 great grandfather's legacy. I mean, there's something cool about that. But at the same time, that's a really complicated issue. And I'm not surprised that they couldn't just sit down at a table and, and come to some kind of agreement to it. I, I'm sure that the negotiations for that are going to be incredibly complex. They are indeed for both the Writers Guild, which has been going on for quite some time now, and also SAG-AFTRA, which has actually just started. So very concerned on that. But before we go to the break, I wanted to ask you this, because it not only delves with the fact that people are associating the Screen Actors Guild and after with famous stars. Like, for instance, Fran Drescher, a former sitcom starlet. She's the president and leader behind SAG and after right now as far as the heading of, of what is going on. But also the famous stars. Like, for instance, the stars that walked off the premiere of Oppenheimer earlier today, yeah. whether it's Cillian Murphy, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, who, what have you. It's not just them. This is going to be about just their protections for them down the road. It is still about money to an extent for them and obviously residuals from streaming, et cetera, et cetera. But it's for more, the majority of the SAG cardholders are not being paid 10 or $20 million a movie. Those individuals are earning and living off of paycheck to paycheck to paycheck so they're the ones that are affected by most by the strike, both for as far as doing the strike and taking the time off of work, but also as well if there's an ultimate agreement in place as far as their future going forward as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, it's one of those situations, I think, where the the union sees and recognizes that. So I, I would imagine that they have a pretty healthy like union fund that may help some of those people kind of get through this, uh, yeah. this work they, stoppage. They've got some money in the kitty. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, like we, again, I can only speak to, to my experience. So, you know, I know that, you know, a little bit comes off of every paycheck and it goes into an account. And if the worst happens and you do end up having to strike, then you get to draw a little bit of that out. So you can at least cover some of your bills, if not all of them, if you're lucky. That's true. But again, this is not exactly the most desired situation for them. Yeah. But they are fighting for the rights. And the studio's position has always been to hold out for months and months and months until the actors or writers, directors, whatever guild that they're dealing with that's striking, get desperate and need the cash. And so we'll see who flinches first. But, you know, my experience before seeing these strikes... And this is the first time that more than one organization in Hollywood has been on strike simultaneously since 1960, I think was what was said. 60 years ago, I think, was the yeah. last time that both. Both, yes. Yeah. But we have seen SAG on strike before. Yeah. And we've also seen the Writers Guild separately at times. And it usually is that these studios will make them sweat it out until somebody flinches and blinks an eye. And I think at this time, you know, with the power of social media, it's going to be a little different. I think it takes you and everyone out there by 
going ahead and voicing your frustrations once the miss premieres once the movies get once marvel movies get delayed once star wars movies get delayed once this kind of movies get delayed once these premiere and shows your favorite television shows starting get delayed your discontent and anger at the studios which will happen not right away which will happen later on down the road that will probably ultimately be the decider in this time around as far as how soon they get back to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that you mentioned earlier that I hadn't even considered, all of the Oh, and also as well, well, also Melinda standing outside the studio. Yeah, the well. <laughs> yeah. that's what's going to solve the whole thing. Yeah, just yeah. this weird Canadian lady going, give me back my entertainment. But yeah, no, I, I think that comic the book conventions, conventions yeah, yeah. They're, they're all going to have people dropping out of their attendance and, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. So Comic-Con next week is immediately affected. Uh, yeah. There's other conventions. We talked about the Star Trek convention that's coming up. That's immediately affected. Mm-hmm. Also as well, you know, social media posts. So there's no free advertising from these stars for upcoming projects absolutely yep. not there's other things that they're prevented from doing media appearances anything like that no more doing the media car wash where they go ahead and appear everywhere to plug their next project no more of that for now as well so right now melinda we're at a perilous time as far as entertainment and pop culture is concerned sure the the, the studios are going to keep on spinning out little by little all the stuff that's going on to try and keep us uh I guess distracted from what's really going on, but right here at the Cosmos, I can tell you it is very important for us and imperative that they get back to the table and talk and negotiate and come to an agreement sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that, uh, you know, it, it's it's really not in the bread and butter of a union to strike. So it, it's it really is something that they don't want to do. It's something that they don't enjoy doing, at least in my experience. And I think that everybody would have been a lot happier um, if, you know, there had have been some reasonable negotiations happening, even some headway being made and then continuing negotiations in good faith. But it just seems like that wasn't part of what was happening. So that's truly unfortunate. Very astute by Melinda Barkhouse Ross right there for you. Some great things she said, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But what are your thoughts out there as SAG, AFTRA, Go on strike. Also as well, the Writers Guild has been on strike as we reported here on the show already. We now have two entities in Hollywood now in strike, crippling Hollywood and bringing Hollywood pretty much to a halt as far as entertainment is concerned. Your thoughts on what's going on with these strikes and can they get them resolved sooner or later? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, before we hit the half-hour break, Melinda, I thought I'd tell you about this little indie movie that's coming up here that got released on Wednesday uh, has Timmy, Timmy Cruz. Oh, Tom Cruise. That's right. Oh, Tom yeah. Cruise. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That up and yeah, coming uh, guy. Yeah. 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 The up and coming guy at 61. Yeah. He, uh, likes, he, he likes running, apparently. Yeah. He likes running a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he's back with Dead Reckoning Part One in the Mission Impossible series. 
Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And that uh, you and I talked about last week, and Josh and I also talked about Monday, about how important this is to the box office. Don't be fooled by the 15% increase overall year over year yeah. at the box office because it's very misleading from where we were in the pandemic. Of course, by the very sheer nature of more people going out, you're going to get a little better, you're going to get a little better, a little better, but you're still not where they were at circa 2019. And the fact that there's been so many lost leaders out there, the latest being Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and despite the good fortunes for movies like Insidious, Red Door, which uh, won here domestically last week, I've been a very close race with Indiana Jones, and The Sound of Freedom, that has garnered a great audience, and that's also doing well above expectations. Despite those movies, the overall movie landscape has seen a lot of AAA or AA movies that have failed. This movie, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, has to be a worldwide hit. Coming off of Tom Cruise's last performance in your favorite movie of last year, and I'm being facetious when I say that, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. You did like the movie. I know you did like yeah, the movie. Yeah, I, I just didn't understand the Oscar nomination. I, yeah. I really was, I'm still wrestling with that one. I don't quite get it, but. But he, it was a, what, almost $2 billion entity at the box office, and I'm assuming that this one is going to hopefully achieve, not those kind of numbers, but achieve some kind of great numbers. The box office is riding a lot on the next three major films between this, Oppenheimer, and Barbie. If the movie industry is going to go ahead and be healthier going forward, again, the box office at 15%, eh, okay, that's that's good news. But again, compared to where they were at, it's just like going to the bottom you're climbing up a little, you're climbing up a little, you're climbing up a little. And now with, with Mission Impossible, hopefully you can get that big boost you're really looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I was I was skeptical when you were talking about how, you know, the, the box office is really kind of depending or maybe even holding its breath, waiting to see if Tom Cruise is going to be able to uh, to pull out another hit. He's probably going to be able to, to be honest. And um you know, I, I've been watching all of the TikTok lives of everybody walking the red carpet for the Barbie movie and stuff like that. And and I think that there's just massive anticipation. And I think that, uh, you know, I think the box office is going to do all right. I don't know if people will not go to the movies because there's a, a strike right now. I And after strike, I don't know. I don't think they'll care. I no. really don't think they'll care. I don't think mm -hmm. there's any, because nobody's asking for them to go ahead. The people, you know, whatever segment of the population, they're not asking people to go ahead and not go to the movie theaters. So they're actually, you know, that's, that's not been put that, that card hasn't been pulled out yet. And I think all sides agree that it's not in their best interest, especially after Tom Cruise has really done a lot to help promote this film. Right. I've seen a ton of video on it. The stunts are, I mean, he's gone all out on the stunts this time around again, because, you know, he loves doing his own stunts and he's really gone way out on this time around. I really think that these next three films, Barbie, Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible will not be affected by the SAG after strike as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. Yeah, maybe. But there may be the, the, the younger demographics. I mean, it may really affect the Barbie movie. Barbie movie, though, has gotten good advance. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out indeed. But 
Uh, I am concerned, though, as far as how well Mission Impossible has to pop in order for it to really bring the box office back for, for what's going on. But then again, there's some good supporting characters. Sound of Freedom has done well. Insidious the Red Door has done well. Those movies, you know, those movies are much smaller cost, much lower expectations. Both of those have exceeded those expectations already. So that's some good news there. Again, Indiana Jones, unfortunately, the dial of destiny has dialed to be a disappointment for Disney and Disney Plus and all that. So we'll see what happens, though, with, of course, Tommy Cruz running around all over the place. Ethan Hunt. I personally have enjoyed the Mission Impossible movies over the years. Uh, before we hit the break, my friend, do you have any fond memories of Mission Impossible movies gone by? Oh, my goodness. Oof, that's a tough I, one off the top of my I've head. Been, I've been meaning to ask you, have you seen any? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely have. Have I seen them all? Probably not. But that wouldn't have been like an on purpose thing. I just haven't okay. come across them, I suppose. But I don't think I've made the made an effort to go see any of them in theater. I know for sure I watched at least the first couple with my dad because my dad was a big Mission Impossible guy. And the TV series. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that he really um in he I don't know that he would have called himself a Tom Cruise fan, but he appreciated, you know, a Tom Cruise action film, that's for sure. I will say myself I do like the Mission Impossible series. I have mm -hmm. seen all of them, not all in the theater, but I have seen all of them. Uh, I will say though, I know that uh, first off, the Mission Impossible number 1 is always uh, joked around as being somewhat incoherent. As far as its story, it kind of gets messy at the end. I actually still like it. It's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's still okay. Number two is either you love it or you hate it. Uh, I really love this movie. It's so over the top. It's so much like a like a kung fu movie, like a you know super action movie. John Woo directed it, and I love John Woo films and. I'm sorry, I'm unabashedly enjoy this movie, but I know it's so over the top. It's so cheeky and it's so corny at times, but my gosh, it is just such a fun thing to watch as far as John Woo's style of filmmaking. Number three, number three was uh, as far as what, you know, is out there. I think it's probably one of the, you know, considered one of the better ones as far as three and four got into some better deals as far as jj abrams got involved and then you got christopher mcquarrie he got involved as far as starting to make them ghost protocol i know a lot of people like that one when it came out by brad bird directed by brad bird who directed the incredibles for right. pixar that was well thought of he actually uh, uh helmed the mission impossible movies as well so so I think I've not had a bad time yet watching a Mission Impossible movie, or I've not been really bored by watching a Mission Impossible movie. I've been, I've had levels of excitement, but I think for the most part, I've enjoyed my time with all those movies. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a, a super important key to the success of the movies, including the Henry Cavill's mustache. <laughs> I mean, that I think has its own like, and also starring, doesn't it, in the movie yes. credits? <laughs> Absolutely. Like Timothy Shomley's hair. Yes. That movie had with Mission Impossible on that one, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes. Starred above Tom Cruise. You see, it's actually see it on the poster. Henry Cavill's mustache. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's important to credit 
you know, the the most intriguing parts of a movie. So hey, it was the downfall of the Justice League, Henry Cavill's mustache. <laughs> so they tried to digitize that out because he was oh contracted to actually That's he right. was contracted Ooh. to keep it. And you see those scenes where they refilmed him in there, just like he's got this like thing going on. It's like, ew. I forgot about that. Bro? That's so funny. I forgot all about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, great. It's, it's hilarious when you it watch it. Just look it on YouTube, anyone. Just put Henry Cavill's mustache, Justice League. And yeah, you type that in and you're just going to have some laughs there. But he was actually contracted to go ahead and keep that mustache. I didn't even know why he agreed to have the mustache on in the first place. But okay, whatever. Whatever indeed. But Fallout was still fun. And that's actually one of my lower ranked ones on the Mission Impossible list. But I have not, again, had a bad time watching the Mission Impossible movie. The Right now, the cinema score is A for grade. So audiences are enjoying it. I do know the fact that it's got, I think at last week I reported an 82 on Metacritic. And it's at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. So seems like all signs are pointing to Tom Cruise having another hit. Yeah, it sounds like that's the way that it's going to go. Joe Soro was talking on the Lakers Fast Break about this movie, and he said that Tom Cruise is the last movie star. Is he the last true movie star, in your opinion? Okay, so maybe the last in terms of, like, the traditional Hollywood star. Like, you you still have... I think Timothy Chalamet is is going to just continue to get better and better and better. We'll as see with he... Wonka. If he can carry Wonka to a hit yeah. later this year, then yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I, I just do. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because that's a great name, Timothy Chalamet. Like, that's yes. such a good name. And then, of course, Dune. Dune's going to he... rock it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't think that there's any real black hole for like no stars coming in coming up in Hollywood right now. I think that it's just the the expectations of what we expect a movie star to be, I think, has to shift a little bit. So there you go. Absolutely. Great points indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one, which is now available and out in theaters? Do you want to see Tom Cruise running across your screen? Once again, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. I will say, though, it's great to have you here. It is the PC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. Astrolution, great to have you here on Twitch. Want to ask you this, though, my friend. Going to save the Xbox gloating for last, my friend. <laughs> uh-huh. but the, the Emmy nominations did come out this week before, and they rushed it out before yeah. everybody went on strike. Uh, your thoughts, though, you had a chance to check out the list of nominees and, uh, you know, it came out drama series or something. I, I really enjoyed the fact that Andor was cited as one of the outstanding drama series, something which you and I thought maybe as a Star Wars series would have been overlooked. But at least I, they're also on my snubs here, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, of course. Secession, The White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets are outstanding drama series. 
Outstanding comedy series are Abbott Elementary, Barry the Bear, Jury Duty, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. Those are the shows that are thought of as the best of the best so far this year, or at least in the past 365 days, roughly. That's when they go ahead and vote on it. But uh, I'm not going to go into who your favorites are or whatnot, but when you read the room on who the nominees are, and before we get any snubs, how are your feelings overall on just the nominees that were chosen for the shows that were nominated for the Emmys? Well, um, like, for example, I haven't watched any of Ted Lasso. I just don't have the service that the show was on. Um, Succession. Yeah, those, those are just shows that, that I haven't seen because I, I don't have that particular service. But, I mean, I'm, I'm really not surprised to see The Last of Us, like, at the top of, you know, the number of nominations received. Uh, I'm thrilled for Wednesday. I, I'm really glad that that show um, is doing well and, and getting a nod. Um, I, I think that that's wonderful. Um, yeah, and Yellow Jackets, you know, I've I've casually watched an episode and I need to go back to that series and, and I need to give that one uh, a lot more of my attention, I think, because even passively watching it, like working on editing, you know, podcasts and stuff like that, um, I was intrigued by it. So it, that's definitely one that I've got to go back and, and pick up before the uh, before the night of the Emmys. If we will we even still have it air? I mean, there's nobody to write the show, and then who's going to do all of the... Yeah, that's a good question. And now I think it'll it's going to be up in the air, exactly, because it won't be attended. Right. You know, because there'll be a mandate by Hollywood, by the SAG-AFTRA community, to yeah. not have anyone attend the award show. And it's going to look pretty bad and look pretty embarrassing. So you're right, how they're going to structure that out and layer that out once the supposed date, which they might even delay because of it, be a problem be an issue with it so we'll definitely see that's an excellent point i'm glad you brought that up so that is going to be a concern and if it does get delayed uh hopefully we can try and communicate that on the show here but yeah you know when you look at it though those shows what i've seen are are quality i have i have no beef with any of those shows in the comedy or the drama aspect of it i think that was a really good mix of shows that were there I know that the bear was a, a, a very under the ground, under the radar hit for FX critical. And I think that in season two, every actor on the planet seemed to want to go ahead and do a cameo on that show, seemingly from Brad Pitt on down. So it seems like everybody's in love with that show. At least it's a, the in thing to talk about when it concerns shows out there right now amongst Hollywood. But Knowing what I'm knowing as far as the Emmy nominations are concerned, I'm looking forward to seeing The Last of Us clean up. It was number two behind Secession in overall number of nominations. Uh, I don't Again, I don't want to go into too far into predictions, but just seeing The Last of Us and how much emotion it gave us, even above Secession's last season. Right now, if I'm in Vegas, oh, which we are. What oh. do you know? My money on a favorite right now, and I'm, not, I'm gonna, still going to take some time to think about it. But if I'm in Vegas, I'm still shooting for the lo- for the Last of Us to get uh, a good share and a good chunk of the awards. Yeah, it was it was it was overwhelmingly positive in everything that I read about it. I didn't read anything negative about the show at all, and that mm-hmm. speaks volumes. And I think it also kind of speaks to its chances of really cleaning up during the Emmys. I agree with you on that. And again, I'm, I'm seeing the list now. 
I'm actually happy for Daniel Radcliffe and also the guys behind Weird, the Al Yankovic story, that that was not only – he was nominated for lead actor in a limited series or movie for television that also as well, the actual series – the actual movie itself got nominated for an Emmy. That's how well thought of it was. I thought that was going to be something because it was on Roku and it was a Roku original. I thought that that was just going to be – actually, it was their first Roku original – that that was just going to be glossed over and swept under the rug and looked over because it was Roku and not Netflix or uh, HBO Max or, excuse me, just Max or Disney Plus or Apple Plus, that it wasn't going to get the kind of hype it deserves. I really think it's an underdog story, just like it's portrayed comedically by Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, But I'm truly happy, just like his music, that it is appreciated by the ones who actually, you know, go ahead and have the ultimate say on what's good and what's not good in this business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I second all of that. I think, I think it's great for the film and I think it's, you know, it's going to give Roku a little bit of a shot in the arm. I'm sure if they actually do take home, you know, the trophy. So we'll see. And I was concerned with you because we've seen small entities, small digital outlets, small channels, small networks, say, okay, you know, we're going to make our own original content. We're going to go ahead and make our own movies or make our own television shows, et cetera, et cetera. And you see it never pans out. It never pans out. And Astrolution, it's free right now on Roku. You can just check it out. Weird mm-hmm. the Al Yankovic story. I had a, it, This is a big gamble by Roku to do its own original because it costs money to do that. It costs sometimes even more money than you just them just buying television shows and movies. So them doing that, taking the risk and it paying off, not only with viewership, because it did very well viewership-wise at the original time, but also as well the fact it's critically lauded and critically hailed. It's just a win-win for a small outlet. Not, that's a actually growing outlet that's, that actually has millions of customers like Roku. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this this only bodes well for, for their future and, and – uh, the the gambles and and the risks that they take on on producing their own content I, I think it's just going to uh you know give them bolster their confidence a little bit more and uh get people more excited about their projects so i'm going to ask you this you're going to go ahead and if you get a chance to take a look at the nominees mm-hmm. on there uh you know we always talk about who makes the list and who deserves it who doesn't all that are or that were named on the list i like to do that more to the oscars the emmys I think the Emmys are more, you have to find really fine tune a look and see what you, what you're doing as far as Emmys, because it's so much more time consuming to do these shows. And even if you're on a six to eight week episode show, it's still time consuming, more time consuming in many ways than doing films. So I I really don't want to go ahead and, you know, slam any of the nominees that are there because I think they all are deserving in this case. I don't think there's anything I saw over things like my man, that guy, did it just just a terrible job can't believe that or that girl did a terrible job can't believe it i think they're all well deserved this year i don't see any problem with any of them but i do think there was some snubs Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna share my thoughts on some snubs that i thought you know individuals that i thought or shows or something like that that got dissed for me the biggest one and Mm -hmm. i talked about this with you when it concerns our time talking about andor we were talking about Andor. We told you how great it was. We told you at the time how, you know, 
well thought of it was. I thought 10 of the 12 abs, uh, episodes were absolutely out of this world. Thought it was just, you know, pardon the pun, just really just great, <laughs> great uh, shows in and of itself. But the reason why was the acting. It wasn't the special effects per se or anything like that. It was the acting was superior to anything I've seen in Star Wars for quite some time. And it's the best Star Wars entity I've seen since the original movies. I think I put put that quote out there at the time, and I think I'm going to go ahead and, and stick it out there again. But Gabriel Luna, Stellan Skarsgård, and especially Andy Serkis, all yeah. three of those guys gave absolutely tremendous performances, especially Andy Serkis. I said on the show with you how overwhelmingly awesome he was, and none of them, none of them, got a nomination on which i thought was really robbing them of some truly great performances yeah i i agree with that and you know when you when you go to whatever website you decide to look at to have a peek for yourself at the emmy nomination list it just it starts to get a little bit uh repet i mean yes okay the, we're not, i'm not mad about the shows that are nominated but when you have white lotus just in best supporting actress for a drama series one two three four nominations in one category you know, I'm I'm sure that there were it's a other great show and a very oh, popular yeah. show. And like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not poo pooing any of it. But or the just... Last of Us, who has three one two three on guest astro- actress in a drama series. Yeah, it's it's, just... it's it's actually Secession and The Last of Us fill up that entire category. So there was that means no one else. Yeah. At all in a guest actress in a drama series did anything worthy of a nomination. Yeah, that's that's what it seems like, but I just don't know that that's entirely fair. And also, you know what i I haven't watched a lot of um, you know uh, success in. I haven't watched The White Lotus, so perhaps my concern about that is is ill advised. I don't know, but it just it just seems weird to me. It, it does seem weird to me as well. But the thing is, I want to ask you this. I said this a couple weeks ago with uh, Star Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, especially Episode 2. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, it's not eligible for the Emmys this time around. It was last year, but it's not this year, uh, this time, because it came out, it started the series too late as far as the nomination process. So they would be eligible for next year, but they'll probably be forgotten about because it came out this time this year. Right. But there was a performance in Episode 2. Yes. By the attorney. Uh, and as far as a guest appearance, if she is not in that category next year, but is there anything that sticks out to you as far as shows or performers who got the big snub from the Emmys this time around? Just because I, I know, I believe today is the day that it debuts on Hulu. Um, did what we do in the shadows do anything this year? Doesn't look it like it. It came out too late. So too late. It, yeah. Yeah. You, so you maybe next year. Yeah, there's a there's a cutoff line because you have to. I mean, that's you have to go ahead and vote on it. So it takes a while to get all those thousands of TV Academy members to vote on the ones that they like. You know, the ones that they're. I think so. That I think there's a cutoff line. Oh, I think it was end of May. Am I saying or and and I don't know if it's end of June or end of. I think it's end of May as far right. as the series had to end. Uh, as far as that's the case. So you know, a show like Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, or what we do in the shadows, which normally gets a lot of good pub, gets a lot of, you know, Emmy nominations, unfortunately didn't qualify because of the time that they came out. But 
uh, Yatidi Badake, uh, uh, you know, Yatidi Badaki, Yatidi Badaki, she is, did an absolute great job, absolutely fantastic job. And if she's not on this list next year, as far as guest appearance on a drama series, man, there should be something wrong and something need to be checked. But I will say overall, I think the Emmys got it right this year. I don't think anything sticks out. I'm just happy again for not only The Last of Us, which we talked about right now is the best show of the year in many ways and the best video game adaptation ever. Of course, Pedro Pascal, he got a couple nominations this time around for that and SNL. Uh, and he knows everybody else involved with Last of Us. They they got a, overwhelmingly a lot of credit as well on both the men and in the women's side. So I thought that was great to see as well. But I'll tell you what, the Emmys, I think for the most part, they did it right. Harrison Ford for Yellowstone or Shrinking got snubbed. I think a lot of people are pointing yeah. to that. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, she did a series, limited series, which also got snubbed and her performance got snubbed. Overall, I think the Emmys, 99% of what they saw, they got it right. I think they really did a good job this year. So because my my timelines are, are a little bit uh, kind of wacky in my head, the interview with the Vampire series, would that have been eligible for last year or this year? I think this year because of when it came out because when we were talking about it. Because if it came out after if it came out after halfway through last year, it would have been eligible. So got it. Okay. Just like the Rings of Power. The Rings of Power yeah. was eligible and it got a ton of nominations as far as in the technical and you know, CGI and special effects and, and technical and sound and things of that nature, but it didn't earn anything as far as acting or best drama out there as well so house of the dragon got it but not uh lord of the rings rings of power so i think yeah. that was also one people were kind of miffed about because that that's been love it or hate it and a lot of people have been you know poo-pooing on it and a lot of people have been loving it as well so that's the one i think the other one that that got out there a lot of people were talking about but it did earn a lot of nominations just on the smaller end as well so I will tell you, though, it is the Emmy nominations. I want to hear your thoughts. Was there anyone that you were really happy about seeing? We're really happy about seeing The Last of Us and Weird, the Al Yankovic story, Daniel Radcliffe and the actual movie itself. Weird Al Yankovic, as a producer, you realize this? He can get an Emmy. He's already got a Grammy. Now he can get an Emmy. Then all he needs is an Oscar and a Tony Award to get the egot absolutely yeah. so there you go uh, that would be the that would be the best egot ever for me anyways yeah. as far yeah. as i'm a big fan of weird al over the years but it would be an we'll egot for the goat yes that's for sure indeed <laughs> but what are your thoughts out there on the emmy nominations who did you like who did you didn't like let us know your thoughts i'll be having a conversation here in the not too distant future with our tv expert don fobbs to hear what she has to think but mm -hmm. also melinda and i are also, when it finally comes out, as it closes in on whatever date that might be for the Emmys, because it, I'm going to have a feeling it's going to be delayed, just a hunch. Yeah. Just a hunch. We'll go ahead and make sure we refresh you our thoughts as well on who will win and who will score well at the Emmys. Your thoughts on the Emmy nominations. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram 
for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, <laughs> before we head on out, a decision has been made. Yes. In the ruling in the, here in the States between the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and Microsoft slash Xbox in regards to their pending acquisition of Blizzard Activision. And after a case for about two weeks where it looked like beyond all description that Xbox was going to go out of its way to go ahead and make sure that Call of Duty would be even more accessible on more platforms than it currently is now, it was ruled by the judge that Xbox should be allowed to go ahead and get a completed acquisition of Blizzard and Activision. But FTC, even though it lost and it got its butt kicked in court, has appealed. We don't know if that appeal will go through and people will just say, why are you spending our tax money? You've already lost. Because again, this is our tax money, not at work here in a yeah. situation where if you know the gaming industry, and we've talked about this, we could clearly see this is about one IP and how that IP was going to be distributed. You can give me this little bit about cloud gaming and all that jet jargon. Don't, yeah, that's great and all. That's such a small part of the equation. Even you know how you you know, think cloud gaming will do later on down the line, don't give me that. If this was all about Call of Duty, and the fact is Xbox had been saying, despite my chagrin, I thought they should just go exclusive on it. But then again, they probably wouldn't have won if that's the case. That they should just that they are going to go ahead and offer PlayStation to be on all PlayStation every year. They offer to be on Nintendo Switch, which Activision doesn't do right now, and several other platforms which Activision doesn't do right now. So they went out of the way to say, hey, we're going to make Call of Duty even more accessible. And in the, in the end, that's what won them the case. Yeah, and I think that that's, <clears throat> if if they're going to make that commitment to make things like Call of Duty even more accessible across more platforms, then of course, yes, give it the seal of approval. Let's move ahead and, and let's see what the landscape is going to look like. I've realized that in my own uh, kind of selfishness, I have been... PlayStation, PlayStation, PlayStation. Oh, well, and I always will be, but I've been mostly concerned about, about uh, Diablo and what's going to happen. And then I realized that we just got Diablo 4, so it's going to be at least a decade traditionally speaking, um, <laughs> before we even start to talk about Diablo 5. And by then, I might not really care too much about consoles and, and video games, unfortunately. Um, so I, I think I it's going to depend on sales. How well Diablo 4 does on a multi-platform, especially PlayStation, yeah. will be the key if it stays on a multi-platform basis uh, you know, the next time around. Because Minecraft, they do, you know, Microsoft does not want to remove Minecraft off PlayStation. They make right. a ton of cash on PlayStation. Yeah. If they're making a ton of cash on play PlayStation, then they have enough, I guess, exclusive things that they could put from Activision Blizzard, like World of Warcraft, right. you know, some other things as well. You know, they've got a whole library of Activision titles that Activision doesn't even make anymore that they could bring out that they can make exclusive. So Diablo could realistically stay on the next time around. And I have a feeling if D if Microsoft's now in charge, you will see a Diablo sooner 
than 10 years. Well, you know, and that would be, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. Uh, If I can just sit down and play it and get my character past level 28, that would be great (laughs) as well. Um, I just have a problem sitting still these days. It's really troublesome, but um, no, I I think that uh, I think that uh, listening to the case and and reading a lot more about, uh, you know, some of the claims made by Microsoft and stuff like that, then it, it really did start to make more and more sense that that this acquisition go through. Um, it, it's going to help Activision and Blizzard. They've had their troubles. Um, hopefully, uh, they'll be able to go in and kind of start. I don't want to say from a clean slate because it, you know, they'd have to fire everybody, and I don't think that that's quite fair. But um, I, I think that having some new management move into to uh, some well, of those key positions. That, yeah, regarding you know, that, that that has to be done because Bobby yeah. Kotick, the much maligned, uh, you know, even though money hungry. He's been called. He's been called a lot of things. A lot of yeah. not very much of them good, but he has made Activision money. Because, but he has also created and helped nourish a toxic environment that actually the state of California has had issues with, legal issues with, yeah. in regards to that. So yes, they need to get him and others that responsible for creating that work environment, that very toxic work environment out of there at Activision Blizzard. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I think that that's only going to be beneficial for the people who actually work at Activision and Blizzard. And so uh, I'm I'm doing my best to, uh, you know, hang up the old curmudgeon, and I'm trying my best to be optimistic about it and um, expect the best from it and not have it spell doom in my little heart about not being able to play the next Diablo whenever that comes out. My because guests, it, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean because Diablo. I remember you saw what they were doing to publicize that and get that out there as far as mm-hmm. the word. Diablo Four has done well by the end of the time. By the end of this year, it will be one of the best selling games of the year. I have a yeah. feeling it's going to be on the top ten. What I think though is that it will come back on PlayStation. But this is just my guess, educated guess. But how hurtful will it be for you to pay seventy dollars for it and see it free on my on my Xbox Games Pass? Well, you know, I will pay the $70 to not buy an Xbox. I'm telling you, you're missing out. <laughs> I have PlayStation, Xbox. I got the best of both worlds. Got my Switch. You know, yeah. I got yeah. my all, best of all worlds. Your reluctance on for yeah, the thing is, you don't even know why you don't like Xbox. You just Gerald, don't like Xbox. Um, I, I cannot justify right now the expense of adding oh, no, another no, even console. If, even if you had the expense, you wouldn't buy it because you've said you don't like it. Yeah, I don't, I, know why you don't, like I don't it. like it. The controllers are too big. These are small little hands. I They're too big. I, I can't. I don't like it. <laughs> all right. All right. I won't argue with you there. Well, third party ones, they're usually shaped quite differently so maybe well we know the success of third-party controllers we don't need to talk about that right now (laughs) okay fair enough indeed but it is a a big win for microsoft again ftc has already filed an appeal whether or not it continues to go through it i think something has to be done here pretty shortly because i know microsoft has to close the acquisition plus they still Got to go ahead and deal with the UK because the UK has in one case that they've said, yes, that it should go through. But there's also another part of the UK as far as the uh, European Commission. Uh, We mentioned it for last month that there's a part of the UK that has said as far as a government body that has said no. Yeah. And that and they are currently speaking to Microsoft. They're trying to go ahead and after this decision was made. They're saying, well, maybe we should talk to Microsoft again, and maybe we should try to work this out. So if, again, 
it looks like more and more like it's now leaning towards Xbox acquiring Activision Blizzard. And I say, again, as someone who has seen the benefits of that as far as what it would go on for gamers specifically, I think it's a win for gamers and Xbox. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, begrudgingly the conclusion that I'm coming to as well. And the thing is, there's so many great games that are still not being made right now yeah. in, the, in the entire library of Activision. And Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, says he wants to explore that library because Activision has just become solely focused on three or four games as being the money drivers for them. And that's it. And I think that mentality is a lot of studios that are putting out really good stuff have been put by the wayside or turned into just like workhorse studios to support studios for the actual Call of Duty games. That to me would just free up, you know, and just make it so much more great for gamers, new and old, to experience a lot of these titles either in new and different ways or bring back these old titles in a reformatted version. I want them to bring back co-op games. Couch co-op games? Yeah, bring back some of those. I I would, if anybody has any good couch co-op titles, please share them with me. Robbie and I would love to be able to play a game together instead of one person playing and then the next person taking over for a little while and playing for a little while. And then, you know what I mean? I'd much I'll rather play to, a game together. I'll have to see if there's any good split screen games for the console that yeah. are the PlayStation. On the PlayStation, you, yes. And for you and Robbie to check out <laughs> indeed. So it is... The Xbox defeating the FTC, definitely a good sign for Xbox to go ahead and compete with PlayStation. But again, that leads to a lot more better things for Xbox gamers. But also, down the road, Call of Duty will now appear, well, if PlayStation says yes, on yeah. PlayStation still, on Xbox, on various formats, NVIDIA, a PC, but also Nintendo Switch. So looking forward to seeing that, but looking forward to seeing if this all goes through and all goes well, and we'll keep talking about it here on the show, because I know TJ Johnson, Jamie Monroy, and Josh on the Monday show, he wants to talk about it. So we're going to be talking still about it because it's still a major thing as far as what this will do for the industry. What are your thoughts out there on the FTC versus Xbox and the loss by the FTC and the win by Xbox? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, I told you, a lot of subjects today, no worrying about trying to drag anything out, no <laughs> worrying about trying to see what we could do to blah, blah, blah. It went by oh so fast because these were all major subjects, but any last thoughts before we head on out? Yeah, the next episode of the fully edited version of uh, Vampires and Vitae drops uh, tomorrow. It'll be available about 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And... Um, you know, we had some bad dice rolls that led to some pretty ridiculous situations. <laughs> so if you want to see some vampires riding cows, Moo. yeah, you can, uh, you can check out the, uh, the podcast edition and it's just a, it's just a little more curated. We add music beds to it and we take out, you know, any gaps in, in uh, our conversation or, you know, any, anything like that, that comes up. So we just kind of clean up the podcast and, and put it out that way. So it's available on all major podcast platforms. And from what I understand, my busy little beavers, Mandy and Colin uh, from Wizards and Wine are uh, just kind of moving along and getting a bunch of episodes edited for me there so you'll start seeing wizards and wine become a regular drop again very very soon so we're very excited about all of those things 
my friend, it's been great having you aboard. But again, on Sunday with Vampires of Vitae, where you go ahead and make sure that Robbie Ross, your husband, <laughs> is more frustrated and angry, and you're enjoying every second of it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just say he earns every moment of that 10-minute break that we take during the live stream. And if you <laughs> see it on YouTube, Vampires of Vitae, please subscribe. You'll know exactly what she means. <laughs> so for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is me, Gerald Glassford. We thank you so much for watching and listening. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great.